It's Saturday, April 16th, in case you forgot what day it is. No, it is not Monday, my usual podcast day, because I have a busy week next week. So I figured I'd get this done today. I was looking at my dashboard as I was preparing to do the podcast. I I record it in Logic Pro, but I like to have the dashboard set up and ready to go so I can upload the audio when I'm done. And there was a little notice on there. It's optional. And thank God this is always optional, so far, at least. Two-factor verification. One of the... For all the faults of dial-up internet, there were some good things about it, too. And one of the good things about it was you didn't have this insanely over-the-top, unnecessary uh, slew of security measures that is geared to the lowest common denominator. Like the dumbest people in the world, the people who use, you know, like their anniversary or their kid's birthday for the password, they're the people who who set the tone for everyone else. So the rest of us have to suffer through these absolutely obnoxious security questions. And I have never in my life seen a security question. And, And you're forced to answer them. You have no choice. So then you have to go to your password manager, if you have one, and I do, and you have to write down in the notes section the answer to these questions because there is no answer to them. What's your favorite song? What's your favorite color? I don't have a favorite song. I don't have a favorite color. If I did, it would be likely to change. I'm never going to remember that. So I I just make something up and, and write it down and make a note, but that makes work for me. Why should I have to do work so that you can feel like you're protecting me. Leave me alone. I guess I'm a libertarian in that sense. Right? I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of libertarianism, but leave me alone with the passwords. And this two-factor factor verification, it's always been optional, as far as I can tell, but I opted into it once or twice. And oh my God, did I regret it. It's just incessant. And it's totally unnecessary. If you're a complete moron, you need it. For the rest of us, we don't need it. All it does is put you out. You're in a hurry to get something done. Like, think, think, think. You got to wait for a text, and then you got to enter the code from your text. Are you kidding me? Why do we do it? Why do we slow the world down? It's like, it's like when people complain about public school, and I get it. Why do we slow everything down for the dumbest people in the room? Everybody's talking about the Elon Musk Twitter thing, and I typically don't like talking about the big news issues of the week because everybody else is already doing it. But you know what? I did it with the the Chris Rock get slapped by the Fresh Prince thing. So I guess I'll do it with this. I don't have much to say about it except for all this... um, effort and money being spent to buy Twitter, I think, and I hate to say this because Twitter is awful. It censors viewpoints, period. It does, clearly. It, it, it will tell you you are banned, this has happened to people, for saying literally these words, a man is not a woman. That will get you banned. It's not up for debate at Twitter. And that's bad for obvious reasons. I don't have a ton of time to go into it. But if you know anything about free speech principles, you know that that's a bad idea. 
and you know that if there is speech that you think is bad, that you disagree with, the answer to it is better speech, more speech, not less. So I really support the idea to go and, and uh, fix Twitter, as it were. But there's just a couple of points here. One is if there is actually a desire for that, and there certainly is on my part, but I kind of think I'm in the minority, right? Because if there's a desire for that, why go through all this? Why not just take like a fraction of the money you'd spend buying Twitter and start a better service, a competing service? And then that's, you know, these, these billionaires, I like to talk about, um, you know, the, the competitive marketplace, you know, competition is good. Capitalism is good. The end result is the, the consumer has more choices. And I agree with that to some extent. And certainly, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because it would probably fail. And the reason it would probably fail, there are, there are several reasons. And one of them is Twitter's kind of cornered the market. And it's hard to pry people away from something. Once it starts, it's dead. See MySpace, for an example. Like once that, that migration starts, forget it. You're out of business. But it takes a lot. There has to be something considerably better. And here's the problem. I think most of the people who use Twitter are completely fine with how Twitter operates. That's the problem. Like it or not, you know, Twitter, look at it as a sort of democracy in this sense. Because people complain, and I get it. They complain, oh, it's bad. Just like I did at the beginning of this podcast. It's bad for these tech overlords to have all this power. But at the same time, we give them the power. We don't have to use Facebook. We don't have to use Twitter. We choose to. If you really don't like it, don't use it. That, that'll create change quicker than anything. And I don't think most of the people who use Twitter have any problem with it whatsoever. Not really. Because if they did, they'd leave. And we've seen what happens when people try to start these new things. I got suckered into going and starting an account over at Getter. Have you heard of this? Oh, it's an alternative to Twitter. Free speech this, free speech that. So a couple things. First of all, now, free speech, if you criticize the guy who started it or who's behind it financially, you'll, you'll uh, find those tweets censored. So n number one, no. And number two, it's just a right-wing echo chamber. It is, it is just like every... Uh, every kind of stereotypical, over-the-top, goofball example of right-wing lunacy that, that people on the left like to use is there in living color, like up front screaming at you. It's it, a total embarrassment. Total embarrassment. So that isn't the answer. But, I, you know, if people really, really wanted a better Twitter, it would have happened by now because they would have left Twitter, and Twitter would have had a choice. Either commit to genuine free speech principles or go out of business. But we haven't given them that choice, because we stick around. So I, I, I'm not going to go into great length here, because I wrote a newsletter for the band today. So if you're on the mailing list for the Screeching Weasel newsletter, you got it. But I referenced in there that some people in the comments and on 
on our socials and everything like that. Do people, this is a little debate I'm having with someone right now. Do people actually use the term socials? Because I hear people in the music industry use that term. I wouldn't say all the time, but it's not uncommon. I've heard that term many times. Do this or that with your socials. Make sure you're taking care of your socials. I'm just curious. You know, let's run a little poll here in the comments section. If that sounds very strange to you or if that is something you've heard. And I mean in the context of people maybe in the music industry. Because I use that term all the time because I hear other people use it and it makes sense to me. So it's, to me, something that, you know, musicians and record label people and publicists and so forth um, say. I've heard them say it. But curious as to, to what you think there. But, uh, but uh, people on the socials and, and here on the, uh, on the comments of the podcast were telling me, oh, go use Anchor FM or Anchor um, for your podcast. You can get it up on all the other platforms. And so I found that I, at some point I had an account. So I went and found that I already had an account. I found the, the login on my password manager, and I don't remember ever looking into it. But as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, I didn't, I didn't go ahead with this for a reason. I can't remember what the reason is. So I went and I logged in, and I went through all the steps of uploading the, the art for the podcast and titling it and putting a little bio in there. I mean, to be honest with you, that, that last part wasn't much uh, effort-wise. And uploaded the, the thing and everything. And you couldn't do anything else. Like you couldn't, it doesn't allow you to, to the last step is to hook up with the other um, platforms. So Anchor is owned by Spotify, and I knew that going in. And, uh, and so when you upload your uh, podcast, you're automatically going to Anchor and Spotify. So you're automatically on two platforms, which as far as I'm concerned, is pretty much one platform. It's the same platform. And I'm going through this. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. They let you add music. And then I realized, no, not really. The, you can add music and you can edit it in from Spotify. But if any of your listeners aren't paid members to Spotify, they hear 30 seconds of it. They hear a preview. So it's like, no, no, you can't. Essentially, you're, sh you're pushing people you know, if they want to hear the full podcast, they've got to buy a membership in Spotify. And since Spotify is basically the devil, if you're in the music industry, um, then I, I don't want to do that. I mean, Spotify is absolutely terrible. They, they are the worst. People always ask me, this is very common. Well, how can I best support the band? Um, and there's different ways. But the worst way you can try to support the band is Spotify. If you listen to us in Spotify, we're making less money than any other streaming platform out there, and it's not even close. Like, you can literally choose anybody else, and it's a dramatic improvement over Spotify. They're the devil uh, combined with Hitler and Stalin and John Gacy, basically. So, and that's not hyperbole. Obviously, it is. So, but in the course of... So I go through all this, I upload the thing, and then I, and then I see, oh yeah, I can, all it is is an RSS feed. It was like, well, okay. And so they, and so it's like, you want to add it to all these services like Apple podcast and you know, there's like seven or eight of them. 
You've got to go to each individual one, create an account, log in, and then go through their process to have a, a podcast. Like, if I have to do all that, why am I going through Anchor FM? What is the point? All I'm doing is lining Spotify's pockets, right? Because you can take donations and stuff, and obviously they're taking a cut of that. So, so it was a complete waste of time. It was like, I, if I had time to do all this, I would have done it already. But just for kicks, I was looking around and, um, and it, you know, it had the usual thing about, you know, not breaking their rule. In fact, there was something, it was like, what happens if you break the rules? It was like an FAQ. What happens if you break the rules? And it was just stunning to me because they're, they're forbidding pornography and they put their definition of pornography out there, which of course is like, you know, immediately as soon as you see that, you're like, well, there's a whole bunch of non-pornographic stuff that could theoretically be banned. Um, you know, album art and things like that, you know, by their definition, right? Because it's, it's got to be designed to, I don't remember... Um, the exact term, but it's, but it's essentially got to be designed to or intended to titillate people sexually, which is obviously totally subjective. And they're like, oh yeah, and we always, we always look at the context and stuff. And it's like, okay, so let's just be honest here. There is no, there's no point in answering the question. There is no rule. It's totally arbitrary. It's totally subjective. And you'd be better off saying, um, look, here are some guidelines, but they, it could mean really anything that you or we want it to mean. So basically if we find it objectionable, we're going to, we're going to kick you off. And, um, and since, and really what it comes down to is since you don't know what we're going to find objectionable, you have two choices, just push the envelope and see what happens or, and this is what I think they really want, or just be careful right? And I hate, I hate that. That's the part that I hate is where, and, and that's a lot of what's going on now in our discourse with a lot of this, uh, gender ideology and the, and the, and the race stuff, um, the white supremacy stuff, all this stuff, what it really comes down to is just watch your step. It's, it's ultimately meant to create an atmosphere of uncertainty Right, so it's not a matter of personal conscience; it's a matter of community conscience, conscience, right? Which runs so counter to the great American um, experiment and democracy that it's hard to believe sometimes that people are in favor of it. But we are. If we weren't, we wouldn't. Again, Twitter would be out of business. A lot of these companies would be out of business. But we apparently like it. So there's. I mean, there is a, I think, natural human urge to censor, and, and that's not really news. But the part that people don't think about as often is there is also a natural human urge for people to conform and obey. And I, I think one of the great things about America is that it's the only country I'm aware of that was founded on, on a fundamental disobedience, right? And so there's something in our national character. And it can be hard to see sometimes because so much of the Western world has, to some degree, followed in our footsteps. But there's something in our national character. There's something about being American that is ornery and contrary, right? 
there's something about us, and it's typically not bad-natured at all, but there's something about us that if you draw a line in the sand, we got to step over it. So, um, so to me, it's very, it's, it's very much in the spirit of the founding of our great country that just on principle alone, we reject those things, even if they don't affect us personally. But I think the idea behind it right now, more than ever, is to create a climate where you don't know the rules. You don't intimidate people by giving them a list and saying, you shall never say this, or even you will say that, which is always the next step of censorship. You not only won't say what's forbidden, you will repeat lies that you know to be lies. And we do this, of course, already. Right. And as I've said before, the, the, it's no secret. It's not the government who is engaging in this kind of censorship. It's the tech companies and they've done it with our full consent. So. Uh, but that's that's bad. But what's worse is where is when you do that and they always start with that. Here's what you can't say. Here's what you have to say. But there's always a step three. And the step three is you don't know. In an hour, in a day, in six months, in a year, you don't know what's going to get you in trouble. And we know the tweets last forever. Somebody will screenshot them. And 10 years later, you've applied for a job or you want to be on the Supreme Court or whatever, and somebody's going to pull that up. And what was completely non-offensive 10 years ago is now evil and you're in big trouble. And if you can get people to accept living that way, then, then you have accomplished way more than you ever could by banning certain words or by forcing people to say certain lies. Now you've gotten deep inside them. You've gotten to their soul. You've crushed their will. That's why I'm not on Twitter anymore. I went on last week, argued with some people, and uh, it, was, it was mostly, you know, I go on, I do this kind of bluff-hardy thing, and, um, and most people get it and some people don't. So, so, um, somebody popped up and said something and I was like, oh, this guy, blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember what I said. It was something non-offensive. And they replied, girl. And, uh, and so I said, uh, I don't give a damn about your pro pronouns, mister. Right. Joke, obvious joke. And then suddenly I had misgendered this person who was evidently trans. How I could possibly have known that is something that nobody has uh, been able to explain to me yet. Um, I don't even know if that's the case. That just, uh, this, uh, he, he misgendered me. Oh, shut the fuck up. The world is not about you and your fucking identity. My God. It, was, it literally took five minutes before I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I wasn't on Twitter. And, you know, I, I am not putting myself above anyone else. You know, it's just I, I, don't, have the, I don't have the tolerance for that because I can't operate in that climate. You can't do anything except conform in that climate. So there's not there, there really is no room and I even put up a post on there saying, this is, this is why we can't have nice things on Twitter. You know, exhibit A, exhibit B. So, but, if, but my point is, if we stay there, then we are essentially giving a vote in favor 
of the way it's run. So I would say, you know, Elon Musk, who clearly needs my advice, uh, would be better off just getting away from Twitter and creating something better, driving them out of business that way. The problem is that's a lot harder. You know, it's easier to go and just impose your will on an existing company. But the problem is I think you become then just as bad as they are. You're saying this is the way it's got to be. You know, like it or not, a lot of people are voting for censorship. I wish they wouldn't, but we do live in a democracy and the Twitter model is, is democratic, like I said. Nothing's more democratic than what people choose to support or not support. So I think it would make a lot more sense to say, hey, here's a choice. You like the way Twitter operates? Here's this new uh, social media uh, platform that is, that is totally committed to free speech. And all the problems that go with that, because a lot of problems go with it, right? And I think anybody who pretends like, like you know, free speech just leads to sunshine and rainbows is lying to you. It brings a lot of problems with it. But, but that's part of the deal, right? Everything brings problems with it. And the question is, are the principles worth enough that you're willing to put up with the garbage that inevitably will accompany it? And I think the answer is yes, emphatically. And I, and I say that unhesitatingly. But a lot of people disagree. And so I think, I think if he were to go and instead of saying, look, I'm going to muscle my way in here and take this over, right? which I don't think is going to work anyway. But, but if he were to go and start something new, I think the problem is he'd lose a lot of money because I don't think people would stand for it, you know? And, and, and ultimately, as much as I dislike Twitter, that's the way it should be done. I mean, if we want to talk about free speech principles in the marketplace of ideas, then step one is you've got to allow people to make terrible choices right? Choices that make them dumber and weaker and nastier, right? Like, like living with a tech overlord as your censor and living with a tiny, tiny minority of people who decide what you can or can't say that have, um, that have powerful allies at Twitter or Facebook or whoever. Um, if you're happy with that, then I think you're crazy, but you have a right to choose that. And if there's a better choice, then provide that choice and let people choose. But the problem is, I hate to say it, but most people will make the wrong choice. The best choice will not be the most popular choice, unfortunately. I wish the world were different, but I don't think it is. I've sure never seen any evidence of it. The impulse to censor is too great. Like I said, look at Getter, the right-wing Twitter alternative. It had barely started before they were censoring people who were, who were critical of the uh, company's founder or, or financial backer or whatever he was. Boom, censored right off the bat. We don't censor. And that's the first thing. And then the second thing is they start censoring. So I, I don't think there's any way around it. That's my opinion. And hey, that's what you tuned in for, right? As always, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience to talk at you. I will join you again in about a week and a half, uh, depending on how busy I am. Until then, have a happy Easter, have a wonderful week, and please remember, I love you all very much. So long.